Rewatchers, Keith here. This is a video podcast this week, so make sure to head on over to our Facebook page and check out 123 Direction, the director's panel from the Highlander Worldwide Convention from this past October. Uh, We are also, of course, releasing it as a podcast, which you're listening to right now. Sparks fly in this amazing panel of Highlander directors featuring Richard Martin, who directed Valkyrie and Duende, Don Payanessa, who directed The Ravens, The Devil You Know, and basically the editor on everything Highlander, and of course Clay Barris, who directed The Watchers and Line of Fire. Tune in for some tips on how to shoot your day, to figure out what happens to an immortal severed head, and to count off the number of F-bombs dropped. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I think they're all on the not this Test, test. Okay. Oh. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Um, okay, everyone say Highlander. <laughs> Thank you. Highlander. 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 You see, I told you, full house. <laughs> uh, where's, uh, a- where's Adrian? Yeah. It's, one, it's, it's now a, a modern yeah. thing that that everybody's getting the credit they deserve. It's, it's these guys have done. Is this working? Can you? It should be now. Hello. 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 That's right. You got to fix it in post. Uh, actually, directing is a fairly big part of making an episode. <laughs> and I know it's going to surprise you, but. Uh, the actors, while they're great, wouldn't know what to do if they didn't have a director. So anyway, that's why we're here, to talk about that. But, but it is a recognition thing. I, mean, I know what, what Mary's saying. We, quite often as fans, if we're not well-educated, well, we are now, but the audience used to be, why? You know, these people are acting things, people are writing things, people are directing things. There's a new, there is a, an admiration for the people now very much who put it together. But I'm, I'm wondering whether you were thinking when you were making this that 20, 30, 25 years down the line, people would be talking to you about that, about your contribution to that. It, it is something that probably wasn't the case at the time. You would, wouldn't have been getting the recognition if we did the convention 20 years ago. Wrongly, but that would have been, been the case. Yeah, there was no concept of, of that kind of situation. It was just, uh, it was a, it was a gig, and it was a great gig. And uh, and my, for myself, I started off like, um, like you've heard probably many times, like, how did you get involved with Highlander? Well, it had to do with Scotch and meeting Bill Panzer, <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, which was actually a disastrous meeting. And uh, and I thought my career was over before I began. In, in television, and then they called me to do one, and I really didn't know a lot about the whole Highlander thing. I was kind of going to, into it a little blind, but there were wonderful people around, and and uh, and a wonderful cast, and uh, and and really good scripts that uh, that uh, that seemed to resonate, you know, with the kind of issues and moral complications and everything. But I'll tell you, when I first got 
my first script uh, to to do Highlander, and I've probably told some of these people this story. It, you know, it had on the first page of a of a television script. It has the cast list of that episode, and so there's okay, there's uh, Duncan McLeod, Joe Dawson, Mythos, and I went down and I said Hitler. <laughs> and I went, Hitler? <laughs> what the freaks with that? And uh, and I, I wondered from the producer, does that are we talking about the Hitler? Uh, yeah, and apparently it was. And uh, and so I said at that moment, I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, and obviously this is this is a, I considered running, uh, jumping in my car and going. But then I read the script, and it was really a wonderful script. And uh, and then uh, and then it just kind of uh, bowled over from there, and 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 the, uh, that episode was Valkyrie, and it was wonderful to work on, and beautiful people, and then and then and then it just kept following. The next two episodes were Duende, and then uh, uh, Stone of Stone, all completely different, all completely unique. And all completely wonderful. So that was my kind of intro into it. So do we know 20 years later we're going to be sitting with all these wonderful people? No. Uh, but uh, but there was something enduring about the series, in my opinion. It, in my experience was that, you know, I did m mostly, I did only second unit directing for uh, the series. I didn't direct an episode until I did The Raven. Um, so my involvement was to go in and do things that the director didn't have time to do or couldn't do. Um, so that was the way I functioned in the show because, you know, I, I did the post-production. And, uh, you know, my efforts in directing, you know, weren't really, you know, I worked with Jim a bit. I worked with, uh, um, you know, a couple of the other people. But I didn't really work with the actors that much in what I did because I did physical things usually, you know, like... Uh, I think it was Shadows, the show Shadows, I, you know, I blew up the loft, so I had to do all that. And, uh, you know, it was fun, but they, uh, they refused to let me get out of the editing room, so I, uh, that's what I was doing. I think it's editing. time to start talking about directing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Okay, just one thing. Uh, when I first came on the show and I did the first one, they used to uh, zoom in when you got the feeling there's another Highlander there, you know. That there was, and uh, they used to zoom in. And I said, uh, no, they're not going to zoom in. I, said, I hate zooms. So we, we started pushing in. So what you do is you take the dolly and the camera has to move up. And they're like, are you crazy? That's going to take an extra uh, 10 minutes. I said, okay, we'll make it up somewhere else. Uh, I don't know if they kept that up after I left or not, Ken. Anyway, did everybody go back to Zooming? Or? No, it was, it oh, was okay. each, you know, everybody did their own thing, you know, and 
And um, push, pushing it with the dolly was, you know, uh, one of the primary ways of doing it. Oh, okay. Got, for one of the... Uh, got a list of clips here. If there's anything you know okay. about any special episodes... For one, one thing, if anyone knows the episode Valkyrie, here's one thing about kind of talking about how a director's kind of perspective on it. There's an opening scene, right? So there's this Russian guy, and he's kind of saying, you know, he's watching his speech on, on TV and everything, and then the woman comes in who's the immortal, Musetta Vanders was her name, and she kills him and everything because she was the woman who had a chance to kill Hitler, failed, and has been making up for it ever since. That's the whole narrative drive of the thing. And so, uh, and so he's watching this thing. So I said, well, wouldn't it be cool if the bodyguard, you know, kind of fumbles with the... Uh, with the remote, and he can't, and he goes, bleep, 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 goes back and starts repeating. So as she's coming in, as the mayhem is happening, you know, uh, this thing, this sonic thing is happening over it. And all I was trying to get to was the ending shot, which would be uh, a low angle with the two guys on the ground, murdered and everything like that, and her enigmatically turning and walking away while on the TV screen is going, and for Russia, more Russia. And then he goes to the black, and I'm, oh, he is. Duncan McLeod, and I thought that's going to be cool, <laughs> and that's that's where we kind of that's what you it's not it's what you were expected to do to kind of bring out the the drama of the thing and and uh, and you know it's not entirely scripted but we just kind of went with it and it worked I think. All right, so remember we're supposed to mention that Ken Gord uh, fucked up today a couple right. times. Okay, yeah, sorry. Uh, no, 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 no and Adrian. And he, uh, it wasn't Ken. No, 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 he was. It was. He, he, Adrian. No, 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 but he said that, uh, you know. Something about a horse. Something about the horse jumping on the back. That was my episode. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and I'm the guy. was year two. And I'm the guy. Oh. And I'm the guy in Stone of Scone who put the damn cow in the scene. Not, not Dennis Berry. <laughs> Although I'm not, I, do, I doubt if I was the first person to put a cow in the scene, but I, I put that cow in the scene and it would not shut up. <laughs> yeah, I had to give him sag rates. <laughs> there, there are a couple of hands up here, so we'll go with you first. Yeah. Yeah. much they, they might have spoken to you and gotten guidance from you because you were much more seasoned, much more, you know, uh, knowledgeable about that craft. You know, how, how did that work out? Well, I'm, I'm such a powerful influence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, Adrian, for instance, always had a flair for directing, and he'd been on sets lots and watched lots of things go down, and, uh, and uh, you know, would would do his own thing yeah. with it. I, you know. No, I, I think that any any actor in any show can direct an episode. They know it inside out. It, and also a lot of the times they get the ads and the dop to help them out. You know, I need. You, they'll say you need this shot. You need this shot. You know, um, it's it's not a mystery. I mean, it's directing is. Uh, if you know editing. And you know how to put a scene together, you can do it. So it's like Adrian or any other actor who does a show, they know you're going to cut, you know, this scene, this scene, this scene, this scene. So as long as you understand that, that's why I think any actor on any show can direct. And they all do. 
because they get bored with the show and they want something else to do. Some are horrible. And they take work yeah. away from us directors. <laughs> but that's besides the point. But, you know, the thing is also that, um, as Clay said, like when I directed The Raven, you know, that was the first full episode that I directed. And uh, the AD was a very essential person on that set for me because she had That's assistant done director. some directing yeah, assistant director she had uh, done some directing and she would help me out when I needed to get something done because one of the other issues with uh, directing episodic television is you've got to make your day if you've got Four pages to do, you got to do four pages. If you've got eight pages to do, you got to do eight pages. You, there's no coming back. So, I, like in that show that I directed, I had a 12 page day, and that was like insane. But you got to get it done. And the help of the, the, uh, the AD and the, and the uh, director of photography was really essential for me. I don't know, you know, you well, guys. Did you have more than six days? <laughs> Here's six day clay. God, seven days is like wow. I could do all kinds of stuff with that. But, uh, I think my first episode, Ken, I think we had eight days on on the thing. Eight Didn't days? we have eight days in Vancouver? Well, look and at I you. Thought I've never <laughs> had that much. I thought we flipped to seven days, and I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, it doesn't you matter. Seven days. It's a guy. Yeah. I was fooling myself all those years. Now, when you do TV, I mean, you have to do. You know, I did sweating bullets with Ken, and we do twelve, what, thirteen pages a day. You're talking about action scenes, it's fight scenes, and everything, and you have to get through your day. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable, you know. So, I got used to shooting fast like that. So, right after Highlander, I did a feature film with uh, Richard Grieco, and um, they said, uh, "Okay, we got." Three pages to shoot today. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are we going to do after lunch? I mean, I shoot that in my sleep. <laughs> and then the other says, well, you can use cranes and, you know, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, right. Fuck, I got time for that. <laughs> so I uh, use cranes and, you know, also I can rehearse the actors, which you never have time on TV and, and stuff like that. But I'm telling you when, you, when you go from doing a six-day show and you do a movie, which is done in 14 days, you actually think it's a lot. And 14 is not a lot to make a movie. I mean, no, it's just not. It's not. But that's the time they give you, and that's the budget, and that's it. I think the other thing, too, though, is that as a director, when you've directed a number of episodes, you start to develop a way to do things to make your day. Whereas, like, when I came on, to do the first episode, I didn't have all the little tricks, you know, that a director can use to do scenes a certain way to get the coverage, to get what's needed to make the scene work. And I think you guys... Well, what you do is you, you know, you learn to shoot everything one way so you don't have to keep changing the lights, you know. So you right. just know, okay, we get all this... You know, we get all these shots and we're going to shoot this way. All the lights over here. So I would always make sure that my actors were facing the same way. Because, so, you know, as soon as an actor turns around, it becomes an over-the-shoulder. you got to turn around and relight everything. It's like, 
So I used to shoot like in the old days, you know, you see a, the fugitive or whatever. You have the main actor, you know, you put, the, you put the camera like this and the person in the background, the other actor, is reacting to what he's saying. So you get everything in one shot. I did that all the time and actors, it drives them crazy because they want to be able to look at the other actor when they're acting. And I would say, yeah, but you don't understand, we're doing this for the audience. The audience, as you're talking, the actor in the background is giving these things. He's giving all these clues to the audience, you're, you know? And uh, then the actor would go, oh, okay, well that makes sense. As long as you have a reason, you know, the actors would question it, but after a while they said, you know, I said they got six days. Fuck you want me to do? Shoot this way or not? Or you, you get actors that come in and they would say, you know, okay, can I, I, I'd rather do the scene over there. I said, well, you can go over there, but you won't be lit. <laughs> and also, uh, just, just, there's, there's, yeah, you sometimes have to say that. Uh, but there's, there's, there's a, a thing, because we were looking at it earlier today, there's a, a thing I like called chance and design, uh, and that's when we were shooting the wonderful uh, fight sequence from Duende and everything, and we were out with, uh, uh, you know, cranes and dolly tracks and everything, because I knew, it was only my second episode, but I knew this was a monumental uh, uh, fight scene, and uh, I didn't want to uh, screw it, and everything, and it, it was, uh, I believe, what they call a four-phrase fight, and everything, and we, five, was it five? Five-phrase fight, mm, I have to correct myself more often, and uh, and it was huge, and I worked in Paris uh, watching uh, Anthony and F. Braun uh, practice this thing and, and develop it, and then, of course, Adrian got involved, and we we're, were doing this thing, and I said, wow, this is like a monument Highlander moment here. I can't screw this up. And we, you know, and then uh, Ken said, "Yes, you've got a crane. Yes, we got all this gear and everything." But I knew there was one thing wrong: that we were going to have incredibly bad weather. And it, and, and as we got closer, the the uh, the, the the weather was uh, shitty, with a hundred percent chance of more shittiness. And uh, and as you saw in the thing, a lot of that rain is real that happened. But I knew that there was no way we were going to get through the entire flight in daylight. And sometimes when you do that on a show and you don't have a budget like Game of Frickin' Thrones and all that kind of stuff, right, you have to cut corners sometimes. Sometimes, you know, a, a phrase goes out of the fight. And I can't do that. I can't do that. They work too hard on this. So a few days before, we kind of huddled together and we devised this thing that, okay, we're going to shoot as much in, uh, in daylight as possible. And then when, we, when, we, when the DOP the director of photography holds up his thing and says, that's it, we're without a light. Then we're going to stop for 45 minutes, relight for night. We went an hour over and everything, and then we're going to back it up and start all over again. You know, or back up to like a, somewhere in the second phrase, I think we started. And then we uh, did it, and I called the editor the next day and said, okay, you're going to get this footage and there's going to be this thing and we're going to go from day to night and you're going to build a beautiful transition that makes it look like they've been fighting forever <laughs> and just make it look gorgeous and he nailed it on the first pass and everything like that and that's was you know we didn't really know where we were going but we knew you know we had to roll with the punches and and what happened was chance and design it turned out to be a lovely sequence, and we didn't lose a piece of the fight. And that was very important to us. No. Uh, thank you. Uh, it, it was. It was one of my favorite images.
was of Richard and the entire camera. You have Major and I there in shirt sleeves and slacks. And, oh, no, it's not raining. You can't see the rain. And you guys are huddled in the back of the camera, but you were like the two. I mean, you guys are in slippers and things and stuff. But uh, I just wanted to say, I, I haven't had the pleasure of you know, being directed by Don or Clay, but you know, Richard and I have worked together a couple of times, and I always feel in such good hands. When we did the um, opening sequence, uh, you know, with the, the, the flamenco and where I killed, I just, I looked at how you would lift the scene, and I knew exactly how it was going to look. So when I stabbed, when I stabbed the guy at the base of the stairs with the light, and I know I'm in silhouette, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I know just what you need me to do, bam. That was a wonderful location, too, because it was called the Salwagram. It was in Paris. And when I got there, we were also shot, and if you remember, Duende, there's a, the Flamenco Club. And so this is part of it. We're looking up the stairs, and we had them black light, backlight it, so it was all just Highlander, right? And, uh, and, then, and then we used a part of it as a Flamenco Club. And when they were negotiating for the, for the thing, after we said, yeah, this will work, we'll shoot over here, this will be great, and everything. And I, I went, oh, geez, it's funny, you know, this looks just like uh, the place where they, you know, in uh, Last Tango in Paris, where they had the tango, and they all turned and looked at me and went, it is. <laughs> and I went, no, I'm shooting on Bertolucci's set? <gasps> oh, yeah, it was just like, oh, we just like, we're all like, like, like in, entranced. <laughs> and it was a wonderful moment. Because uh, we, we were in the club, and, you know, it was when Anna, you know, yes. and reveals, and I come back and go, yes, it's and uh, it was in the wee small hours of the night, you know, and I was back in some little room that says, just give me an I need to light this thing. And, you know, I get in, and of course, you know, and I knew again, I knew exactly what you were going to do, that, you know, I'm sitting at the table, you know, and the lights come up, and it's like... Well, thank you for that. A big, powerful kind of <laughs> of light, you know, backlit you, so you look as evil as possible. It was great. <laughs> now, when you talk about uh, you know trying to uh, to save time all the time, you know, we got to move really fast. I was in one episode. I was doing it said in the script that uh, you know Duncan pulls up to a motel, and I said to the guys, "We don't have fucking time to show him." going up to a motel. I said uh, to the prop guy, I said, do you have a light that says, uh, or a neon light that says motel on it? He goes, we can probably get one. I says, get one of those, put it on a stand. Uh, agent will drive up at the car, and on his windshield, it'll say motel. And that's how he fucking got into the motel. That's and that's what we did. So you never need to see that. That's how we save time. Chance and design. It's like, let's save time. How do we do it? It's things like that. Is, is it, when you see a script, I mean, is it matter? I mean, because you don't get your scripts that far in advance. That's part of the whole the process of a yeah. TV series. Is there a situation where you go, right, the first look is going to be, what's the story, what's the basis, and another quick second look going, right, okay, what are we going to be able to expand and make something more out of, which bit are we going to have to edit down? Do you want to be honest to the integrity of the yeah, well, story? But as a director, like most directors that I know that are good will make the script better than what it is, because that's your job. And those guys are writing like all weekend, all day. They never sleep. They're, you know. And so it's up to us to uh, take the script that they worked their ass off and make it better because we're there visually and uh, we have a location and uh, you know we can make things that they can't even imagine that they can't write because they're not on the location. They don't see it, you know. So guys, when I read a script like that, the first thing is first of all with Highlander, it was like. And I would say, I would tell a candidate, right away you can tell when you read it, I go, I can't do this in six days. 
There's no way. You could just tell you have a feeling. If you, you just know, you know. I can't do it. He, he goes up Mount Rushmore. He, what? No, I, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, so as a director, those are the kind of things that you pick up on right away. And you can get in big trouble if you just sit there and go, yes, I can do this. And next thing you know, you're doing 15-hour days, 16-hour days. You're going over schedule. Everybody's going nuts. And uh, so, anyway, it's just all, it's all about reading the script and getting a feel for and it. You, <laughs> and you pick and choose, you pick your moments, right? And you say, like, okay, this can be handled, that's one shot, no yeah. problem, we're moving on. And, no, no, that's and, right. Well, you, that, and then, but that's right. then that scene, that's really important. Yeah. We're going to be here for a few hours. Yeah, because you got to know when to spend time, right? As you know, on a certain scene, and other scenes, you just get through it. You just go, you know, two takes. Because the, the script so, is good enough that the yeah. actors I mean, can just yeah. nail it, right? Sometimes Sometimes you do a one-er on it yeah. with a little coverage or not. Yeah. When I got the script for the Raven show that I did, it it had we had to blow up a truck, we had to put a a motorcycle through a bank window, we had two sword fights, a chase, and an end fight. And it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just before before lunch. Yeah, and I'm you know, and I'm looking at this, and I'm going seven days. You know, and uh, there's that seven which, days again. <laughs> the extra I don't day. Know what that means seven the extra days. Extra day. <laughs> but you know, again, like I said before, you got to get it done. So uh, you figure out, as Clay and Richard said, you got to figure out where you're going to spend the time. What are the money shots, and what what's you know how you're going to be able to get your day done. And there's a you know there's kind of a running joke that, you know, you're shooting a feature in the morning and you're shooting a documentary in the afternoon, you know, so. And, and uh, on a series like this, where you have uh, excellent cast and excellent uh, guest stars and all that kind of stuff, well, boy, that helps because they're seasoned, they know what they're doing, they know who their characters are, and, and so you, you, there's not a lot of let's, you know, figure out what your complete motivation is, you know, because we, you know, they, they're, they're already on track. Right, so uh, and uh, on a series, that's great. It's just every once in a while, some you know, like some idiot will come along, like myself, and go, "What do you do with the body?" <laughs> like, like Adrian talked about this morning, you know, like what's what's with that? Because I didn't really know the genre too well. Uh, I was in post and everything, and someone looked at me and said, "You got two buzzes and a quickening." And I said, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> and everything uh, because I was hired uh, because somebody dropped out, and then I was there, and I said, "Oh, send me the script." And they said, "We don't have a script." Well, when's the script coming in tomorrow? Well, when does prep start tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, uh, and then, okay, well, we're right in the thick of it. Well, right? we, uh, <laughs> we're, we're talking about this because, uh, you know, Ian, I mean, Ian, uh, Adrian was going through this whole thing of, you know, where in the fuck does my sword come from? And they talked about that today a little bit. And I was going fucking nuts. It's like, who gives a fuck? It's like, it's just there. Adrian goes, yeah, but how come it's just there? So we're doing this scene in uh, Epitaph for Tommy, and he's doing a, he's jogging. So he's got a jogging outfit on. He goes, there's no fucking way I can pull the sword out. I got a jogging shit. And I said, fuck, I don't know, man. Just go like this. It's there. I, whatever. <laughs> hear what he did? He went in the back of his car. He had it in the back seat. <laughs> I'm like, the sword is in the back seat? And he goes, yeah, that's where I keep it. <laughs> oh, 
suspension of disbelief. Like, it worked. Yeah, come on, give me a break, will you? I mean, come on. I said, to me, you reaching behind that seat, grabbing the sword, everybody goes, oh, that's where it was all that time. I mean, I said, you can't do that, right? Well, anyway, that was always the big mystery. You know, yeah, but that's like what that. made Highlander so great. Yeah, it yeah, is a mystery. To deal that's with where the, you yeah. never should have questioned the fucking body because <laughs> they just disappear. It was an honest yeah, question. You walked away without the head. <laughs> I know. What happened to the head? No, what happened to the head? I well, know. that's what I mean. I told you should have had the series, but I had to ask the question. Yeah, you should have had the head in the back. Actually, it created a lovely moment where he did you started, yeah, but you started a whole problem for all of the I know. I know. Do you have a fight coordination in the room? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But it created a lovely moment as he's walking away and it was Yeah, beautiful. well, in your dreams. In slow motion. <laughs> I don't know. It's too gruesome. It's too fucking weird <laughs> to, to walk away with a body. That's why, I, you know what? I questioned it, but I never hey, questioned it. It was dark. It's too It was weird. dark, but that's Highlander. Well, you know, the, the, the answer is that it was the quickening that made it disappear. Exactly. Oh, that's what I thought. You know, just someone had to say that to me, <laughs> but no one did. And then, and then Adrian said, "Oh, what a great! Oh, yeah, I'll pick her up and I'll walk away into the darkness." Oh my God, that is so. It was a beautiful moment. <laughs> and then, and then, and then they put on this wonderful thing with Jan, Jan Triska going, oh, no, no, you know, I thought everything was black and white, and then it was suddenly quiet. <laughs> Please, God, you have another question. You better. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't let us go on. Please. Yes! So, um, when days were getting really long and difficult and the, the actors were potentially just getting to their last limit, you know, you know um, what did you do to motivate them to continue and to stay on, on course? And, like, did you have, like, really... Got to make the day. <laughs> no. Well, well, the actors understand you got to make your day. They want to go home, too. Uh, you know, like I said, I, you know, I, I, I never had overtime. And the crews didn't like me because of that. Because the crews make a lot of money when you go overtime. And they used to say, they, oh, no, Clay's coming in this week. That means no overtime. <laughs> so, because the actors, because I'm thinking of them all the time. You know, he, I mean, Adrian's working his ass off all day. And uh, he's in every goddamn scene and these fight scenes and this and that. You don't want to go over. He wants to get the hell out of there and get his day. And that's what you concentrate on, to get your day, which we always did. Usually, because there's no such thing as overtime. You, you, they just can't afford it. Yeah, Adrian would be like uh, not only doing the scene, but he'd be rehearsing for fight scene yeah, in the next right. episode and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but but in my experience, there was never any energy level drop. Uh, everyone was totally committed yeah. to the the thing. We get through it, and 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 we make it the best we can. And and the energy level was always up there yeah. with with all the cast. There's a okay. question up here, Abby. Well, 
Uh, no, I always went off of what F was uh, going on about, uh, especially when, you know, especially with Duende and everything like that. Uh, but, you know, occasionally I would say, you know, it would help me out if you did that thing over here and everything that would play better for camera, that kind of thing. But basically, uh, you know, F never repeated himself on anything, so everything was was new and fresh and lovely and, you know, you didn't want to uh, screw with a good thing like that. Yeah, and the, and the Swordmaster is designing it, you know, and it's your job as the director to understand that design and see how to shoot it in the best way that it's the most dynamic. And sometimes, as, as Richard said, you modify it a little bit because of certain kind of restrictions or, you know, uh, time, time concerns. Was there, was there a question over here at one point? Okay, we'll come to here then. Um, is there a person who is in charge of making sure that things like if the sword's on the left side of his body in this scene, that it's also on the left side in the next scene? Yeah, that's a continuity person. Yeah. That's their job. A script supervisor. <laughs> Well, you know, no, you try shooting a scene in six days. I, 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 you know, sometimes, you know, he's got his hand up here, and sometimes he's got his hand. And you up see there. that. You, you see that even in, in big movies. You know, it happens. We yeah. try and try and try to not have it happen, but even the best, you know, things, you know, don't quite work out. You know, script supervisor or continuity. Yeah, and that person keeps track of what you're shooting, what kind of coverage it is, what the lens is, all the information that goes into a shot and the scene so that mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you and can refer back to it. And to the credit, I mean, some actors are just phenomenal. I've seen actors who can be pulling things out of their thing, uh, doing this, uh, pockets, this, glasses, whatever, get it, nail it every single time perfectly. And others who can't even figure out what step, yeah, and, and, you know, and it changes from scene to scene. And then you, you know, you work with it and kind of well, it. A good it doesn't mean they're a bad actor. It just means they don't, you know, they're not good at that kind of thing. A good continuity person, like, they're, they're amazing because, uh, you know, when you're shooting, you get this thing called eye lines. The actors are looking to the left, to the right. It's very confusing sometimes when you've got, like, six actors in a scene and you're shooting it. And who's looking where, you know? And uh, usually, I always went with the script girl or the script guy. And uh, the DOP is the one that made... As a director, I'm supposed to know that, but I don't. So it's like uh, I don't know if they're looking left or right. Yeah, it's calling. Girl goes, goes like, looks yeah, over there. It's calling, crossing the line. Yeah. And, and you know what happens is that when you get into post production, if you've done, yeah. if you've crossed the line, then two people who are looking at each other are looking in the same direction. So you, so that's because suddenly all of a sudden we're we're shooting this way and I'm answering you and I'm like, and then and then they said that and everything like that and it's just wrong. You know, and, and, and then you're screwed, but, yeah. you know, continuity doesn't yeah. Cause I, Just to finish, I, I did four movies, and on my fifth movie, my first feature, somebody said, what's the eyeline? I said, what the fuck is an eyeline? Well, <laughs> I did all these movies, but I was ever, ever thinking about an eyeline. Somehow it always worked out. And then it got me all screwed up because I'm like, oh, yeah, what the start thinking about it. I started thinking about it. Oh, yeah, they're looking that Let's way. See, if they're looking this way, then they've got to be looking. Yeah, so like I said, you've got to get screwed up. Okay. Yeah. Get in on the back. Um, can you guys talk about the 
Yeah. Well, what they would do is, like in the script, it would say, uh, there's a quickening. Oh, okay, fuck. And then they would go, <laughs> Ken said to me, you got to come up with the quickening. What do you mean I got to come up with the quickening? Well, uh, it says quickening. Fuck. So you always picked it on uh, the location that you were at, you know. You say, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Because, again, the writers, it's pretty hard for them to write a quickening because they don't know the location. In most scripts, they're talking about transitions, you know, from past to present or present to past. Um, They weren't really written in the script. So um, the director has to come up with an idea and you know again coming back to post I would a lot of times work with the director most of the time work with the director and discuss what could be done visually to go from A to B and then we would work that out and um, you know and, and some directors came up with solutions that I didn't have to be involved in because they had given it a lot of consideration and thought and designed something. And, you know, whenever transitions are being shot, it usually costs, Ken would know this, an hour, hour and a half of production time to do transitions if they were being done practically. So... Sometimes we just uh, do a wrap around a, a character, like go around Duncan and everything, and then they take it and meld it into him. You know, then we repeat it on another location, but him in different garb, and you know, they could just meld it together in a very kind of seamless way. Sometimes we got kind of creative on on uh, Val- Valkyrie. We just panned away to a window, brought up a red light, and then and then Don took it and put in a Nazi flag, bringing it in, and you know, so it was. It was very kind of organic, feeling it out, like what could we do here? We're in this set. How can we make this transition work nicely? And uh, and but it was always uh, this total thing between post and 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 on the directing floor together, something uh, sweet. So, if I could ask each of you to give us uh, the easiest and the most difficult scenes you had. There are no easy scenes. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe uh, peeling Texas Cobb off the bus was pretty tough. <laughs> that happened during my episode. Somebody says, said, he just got hit by a, by a fucking beer truck. I said, fuck, what? And you go over there and you stand there. He's all dizzy and everything. And he goes, he looks at me and goes, the truck okay? <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and he busted his hand. Too, didn't no, it? then he uh, so he did that, and then they I heard they took him to the hospital and they put him in the waiting room there, and he looked like a bum, you know, the way he was dressed for the show, and he sat there for hours. Nobody looked at him, nobody touched him. He just sat there, and then finally, I don't know who it was. Somebody said, "Where's uh, that actor there that went in for a, a checkup?" Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so somebody went back to the hospital. There he was, still sitting there, waiting for them. So then he comes out, he's got that, he's, I'm okay, I'm okay, he's a real tough guy, you know. So we're doing this scene where he's got a fight scene with her, with Richie, and, uh, you know, he's got a wooden chair he's supposed to throw at him, and, uh, and Stan says, uh, I can't just throw the chair at you, I mean, this is a real chair. Oh, don't fucking worry about it, kid, I'm tough, you know, just fucking throw it at me. 
So does Dan, takes a chair, throws it at him, breaks his fucking hand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like... <laughs> you know why that happened? Because uh, Ken Gord was not there? <laughs> that was season one. There is a special way of throwing a chair so that it doesn't rotate in the air, and I can't stand how to do that. Uh, absolutely straight. Oh. Stand did it perfectly every take. Yeah. Text. Ar, ar, ar. Text. Well, that's the way it sounds like a lot. Has a saber with multiple guards all over the knuckles, and he's got a booty knife. Stan picks up the chair, he wings it out, because that's what Tex said. Just wing it in. Yeah. He wings the chair. Take one, punches it away with the saber guard. Take two. Punches away with the saber guard. Take three. Punches away with the saber guard. Then he goes into this sort of fugue state. Take four, and he punches it out with the buoy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Just because we're talking about him, I was. No, we're doing a scene in the. No, we're doing a we're doing a scene in the church where uh, they're having a sword fight, and they end up through a window of a church, and there's a wedding going on. And unbeknownst to me, I mean, uh, Tex, is it Tex Cobbs? That isn't Tex. Anyway, so the bride is standing there. He goes up to her and he licks her face. Oh! Like he just went, like that. His big fucking tongue sticking out. <laughs> and she's like, ah! <laughs> so so I, I'm, I'm standing there going, okay, fuck, that's great. <laughs> but then I said, you know, did you ask her to do that? He goes... No, I don't need to ask nobody. Fuck all. And I'm doing my thing. And the actress is like, she's all, she wasn't an actress, she was an extra or something, you know, just trying to earn a living. It's probably her real wedding dress. <laughs> but anyway, that's the kind of guy he was, you know. It's like, he licks a woman's face without asking. Oh. Anyway. That signs up and say, do not lick the staff. <laughs> <laughs> do not lick the extras. I'm going to clear it. One scene that comes to mind was when we were doing the scene in Armageddon where uh, the devil, played by the Peter Hudson, uh, uh, offers Jim his legs back. And that was just because it was an emotional day. Because Jim was doing this thing and he'd already been contacted by, you know, David Abramowitz, as you've heard, you know, and said, you know, are you okay with this and everything. And then I had to go, since I was directing him and everything, and saw him on set and I said, is, is this cool? And he, of course, Jim being Jim said, I've lived with this all my life. Why, why would it make any difference and everything like that? And he was a gentleman and everything. But still, it's very emotional. We're on a dark, dark set, and here's the guy, and we we put Peter on a on a on a on a dolly, so he was kind of like leaning. He had to, you know, kind of stretch out like this, so he was actually hovering above uh, Jim, and it was a very kind of dark, emotional kind of day where you had to keep the tone right, and that that's kind of a, a difficult one. You know, there's the difficulty of trying to do uh, a, a, a great fight sequence and everything, lots of that. But there's also the emotional difficulty that you try to deal with and trying to get the tone right and trying to make the actors comfortable. There was a question over here. Somebody had a, a hand up, but I don't want to forget if they... No? Answer the yes. That's actually exactly what Gillian asked, so... Uh, well, there we go. Mary. Are there any episodes of Highlander that you didn't get to direct that you wish that you had? We're directors and we don't watch other people's. Uh, other <laughs> well, you know, it's true. I, I've only seen the episodes I've done. I haven't seen his episodes. You don't really have time to watch uh, them. I've seen them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
No, I bought the DVD box, you know, because of course they didn't give me one. I had to go out and, I had to go out and buy it like everybody else, hoping it was on sale. Of some other show that you've seen that, gee, I wish I had been hired to do that. Yeah, everything of Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, like I said before, I directed only one episode of The Raven. You know, um, there were a lot of things I would like to have directed, you know, in terms of uh, on Highlander and, uh, but you know, they're, it's like, it's kind of, kind of hard to say, oh, yeah, that would have been a great episode to direct. You know, they were, because, you know, the Highlander in particular, except for the zone, that was, <laughs> this poor man had to deal yeah. with the zone. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know why I, I get, that's not fair. No, because, <laughs> well, again, I mean, you know, I got the script. I mean, we, we tried to make it better than what it was. And, you know, from talking to David about the whole thing, you know, he was rushed. He had, they had to come up with this thing. And, you know, it was a totally un Highlander episode, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, so what do you like, do with it? Well, you just fucking shoot <laughs> yeah. in six days. <laughs> so, you know, well, comes back to one the little story thing. about that. Is it's that, good as that. Uh, no, one little story about that when we did the zone, the actor that played the part, he uh, he was playing it like uh, Robert De Niro, real slow talking. And I said, hey, you know what? This lasts 42 fucking minutes. There's no way. You, this show's going to be 55 minutes the way you're talking. Forget it. This is TV. <laughs> fucking set it up. He says, well, I man. I see it. I said, okay. So I go to Ken, and Ken says, don't worry. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> and I, I said, what? What do you mean? He goes, fuck him. We'll dub him. Don't worry about it. So they took the whole episode and used a totally different actor's voice. And then, you know, they didn't talk faster. And then the actor, I remember, called me at home. He says, Clay, what the fuck, man? Something weird with my, is it my TV? My, my voice sounds really fucking weird. <laughs> he says, what happened? I said, Ken Gord dubbed you. <laughs> There's no way I was going to take the blame for that one. Because he was a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, we did that actually a number of times in the show, particularly... Um, with French shows, because uh, you know the, Ken would cast somebody, and you know they were right for the sh for the for the part, but they their English was not that great, so we ended up having to bring in you know uh, a Canadian actor to uh, to revoice them, and. Uh, yeah. 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 So yeah, it happened a lot uh, more than you think. <laughs> Lead, leading on from Mary's question, though, do you, when you see TV shows in general or movies in general, are you able to enjoy the experience? Or are you sitting there as a sort of clinical technician going, ah, I know what lens they used there. I, I could have pulled the pull back. Yeah. Or is it just a matter of blanking that out. Well, yeah, I think when I first started directing and stuff, I used to look at stuff. It used to drive me crazy because I knew where the camera was at all time. And then it took me a few years, and I could finally watch. Now I can watch any movie. You know, I don't see the directing or anything like that, which you're not supposed to see. But uh, you do get. You, you're right, though. It's like it's really weird because you're. I'm looking at stuff for continuity, and you know I can lighting, see the mistake, yeah. the lighting, what's going on here, you know. And uh, you just get used to it now. Yeah, it's like, like, like you know, 
the coverage, how people are covering, you know, a scene. It's it really like, stupidly uh, obvious. You you yeah. kind of notice, but but the best yeah. movies and the best TV shows, yeah. you kind of flow and everything, and 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 having the knowledge of what's going on doesn't really get in the yeah. way too much. Well, it's like you know, uh, it just it actually enhances it. I was watching a scene from uh, True Detective and everything like that, and I'm watching it with my son, and he's had a lot of experience with movies, and we've watched a lot of movies, and we're watching one scene and I turned to him and I said that was all one shot you know and he says yeah I know and his girlfriend sitting there how do you guys see that yeah. <laughs> you know because yeah. Yeah. we just it, but it just goes with the with the flow of the action right but you don't so uh, uh, if it's really bad you notice it that's really good you notice it well, <laughs> just to make a comment about you know when you watch a movie I'm French Canadian right so when I watch uh, a movie in French with English subtitles I go out of my fucking mind because I end, I hear it and I'm reading it at the same time. Like it really does something. You're like, what? The? Yeah, and I can't help it. I mean, you, you, uh, you know, I'm hearing it and I'm reading it in English, French. I'm back and forth. My mind is going. Uh, so at the end of a movie, I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> spent. Yeah, yeah, it's spent, right? Well, time for two more questions. So, yeah. What's it like doing post? post-production for the quickening. Do you have like a good map out of what the quickening is going to be or did you just get like a box of stuff exploding? <laughs> well, like like both these guys said, you know, it's just written in the script. It's a the quickening. So it's up to the director to design the quickening. Uh, and you know, and and that can be very elaborate and it could be pretty simple. But then when it comes into post, then, you know, we have to deal with, okay, how are we going to do this and make it, you know, make this work? Because, you know, like when, when anybody is shooting a quickening, they don't have lightning out there, you know, I mean, uh, and there are the, the visual or the special effects that can happen, you know, like thing, blowing things up around the the, you know, Adrian or, you know, whatever they just, you know, is decided to do, and then it's got to be enhanced in post. So, and, you know, the fact is that uh, a lot of times, speaking of post, I would, I would try to be when they were, you know, at the set when they were shooting the quickening so there could be a discussion about what we might, you know, what we could do in post to enhance what's being done on set. I, I really dug fire trails. So, so like in the in the in the Duende, Duende one, yeah. You know, like you know, so he puts in a lightning bolt, and everybody, fires go out and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that took a that took a little while to set up and everything. And and then the rest was just hidden, right? And then what you can't see is that there's a bit of topiary down at the bottom, and there's a cameraman hidden, of course, right down there because we can't go shooting it three or four times, right? We got kind of one go at it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so we've got it down with a guy <laughs> hiding down with the camera to get the thing of Adrian, you know, that's all kind of blurred and everything looks so gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the fire with the fire and it has fire in front. So it makes it all wavy. Yeah, it's really cool. Last question. Who wants the last question? Mary, I'll give you the last okay. one. What happens when the public, you know, misbehaves? I mean, they're, they're shooting something, they're dressing something. Uh, Somebody has a, I know in France, someone had a drum, they kept beating, and 
It's the, the, okay, I got one for you. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Uh, the one, one time we were on set in France down at Quai de la Tonnelle where we shot the uh, barge and everything like that, which was a, a, always a pain. But anyway, uh, then this guy came down and he was a member of the public and he just went up, oh, Islander, Islander, you know, squish my head, squish my head. And he was like saying, take my head and everything. It was obviously a kind of, you know, I don't know. And so people just rushed in and had to take him away and calm him down and everything because he was just so thrilled to see and he wanted Adrian to, to, to slice off his head right there. So you get that every once in a while, but usually we have police. I had a, I had a situation where we're I had to blow up this truck, and it was on the street. And, you know, it takes a long time to get that set up because of all the precautionary measures taken and, and, and you know, rigging it and doing and And so we were getting set to try to shoot this thing, and this guy came out knowing what was going on and just stood in the middle of the street, you know, shouting stuff, you know, and it was like, Okay, okay, now we've got this issue to deal with. And it was like, okay, now somebody's, you know, the police have to come in or somebody has to come in and, and drag them away. But, you know, then you've lost or, a half hour. Or people, somebody would come up and say, you can't film here. <laughs> I say, yes, I can. I've got cinematic immunity. <laughs> We used to use that all the time. Like, you know, somebody's having a beer on set. You can't drink on the street. We got cinematic community. We do whatever the fuck we want here. And <laughs> it's great because you look around, you know, you're doing a big shootout scene. Cars are blowing up and everything. And, you know, you're just playing pretend all day. It's great. <laughs> yeah, we always got away with it. We, we call Ken. <laughs> they fix it. And somehow the ball no, can disappear. <laughs> that was season one. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I'll guess. Right. Thank, you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.